Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you're about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to juvenile detail. You get a report that a teenage boy has been found in a downtown alley. He's in critical condition. Your job? Check it out. It was Wednesday, November 16th. It was cool in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of juvenile detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Powers. My name's Friday. We're on our way into the office, and it was 9.17 p.m. when we got to the second floor of Georgia Street Juvenile. The squad room. I don't know, Joe. What? You see a kid like that, you start wondering. Yeah. Fifteen years old, trying to hold up a liquor store. Kind of worries the guy. What do you mean? What about your own kids? How are they going to turn out? Well, most of them turn out okay. Yeah, can't help worrying, though. Well, you're a father. Maybe you're better off, Joe, not having the worries. You really believe that? Well, I guess so. Well, why don't you stop trying to marry me off? Oh, say, that reminds me. Yeah. You know the Phillips live down the street from us? I don't think I do. They were over for dinner the same night you were. Yeah. Last summer, time Faye made fried chicken. Oh, yeah. Remember it? I remember the chicken. Go ahead. You're going to spend Christmas with us, aren't you? Christmas. Faye told me to be sure and remind you. It's only a month or so off. That's soon, huh? Yeah. Can we count on you? Yeah, if we're not working. Swell. I'll let Faye know. What's this got to do with the Phillips? Mm, nothing. Mm-hmm. It's got nothing to do with them, Joe. Why are you so darn suspicious? Which one of them has the sister? Huh? Come on, Mr. and Mrs., which one? Both of them, for all I know. Well, which one has a sister who's coming out here for the holidays? Which one? Mrs. Phillips. And they're all going to be at your place for Christmas dinner, is that it? Well, Faye hasn't asked them yet. She wanted to be sure that you... Mm-hmm. Okay to ask them? They're your friends. You won't regret it, Joe. You know Mrs. Phillips is darn nice looking. Good talker to her for sisters, anything like Just she... Just do me one big favor, will you? What's that? Christmas is still five weeks away. Don't start selling me now. <laughs> I wouldn't try to sell you on any girl. You know that. You bet. I never even met this one. I was just thinking that sometimes you can kind of sort of judge a person by family and... Juvenile Friday. Where's that? I see. Yeah. Found a kid lying in an alley off Sheridan Street. He's hurt pretty bad. An accident? Knife in his back. Frank and I drove out to the address where the victim had been found. It was a dark alley that opened onto Sheridan Street in the block between 5th and 6th. An ambulance had been called, and the boy had already been moved to Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. 9.42 p.m., we talked to one of the patrol car officers who had discovered the body. We're only a couple blocks away. We headed right over. Where'd you find him? Yeah, I'll show you. Right here against that wall. Mm-hmm. Must have lost a lot of blood. Yeah. Knife still in him? Mm-hmm. Small of the back. Looked like he'd been beat up, too. You say anything about who did it? Well, he mumbled something. We couldn't understand him, and then he passed out. How old would you say he was? Oh, 15, 16, maybe. Uh-huh. He's a good-looking kid, about 5'8", black hair, blue eyes, regular features. What kind of clothes? A jeans and a jacket, windbreaker type. See anybody around who might have done it? No, not a soul. The street was deserted. Mm-hmm. My partner's out looking now. I'll give him a hand. All right. Who filed a complaint? I don't know. I would check the board. I'm afraid that won't help. Hmm? Well, they don't know either. While a patrol car officer searched the neighborhood for suspects, Frank and I canvassed the area for the person who had reported the crime. 
10.16 p.m., we talked to the patrons in a nearby bar and grill. They denied having any knowledge of the assault. 10.42 p.m., we entered a small tobacco shop on the corner of Sheridan and 8th. Evening, gents. How are you, sir? I do. Uh, all right. What can I do for you? We're police officers. It's Frank Smith. My name's Friday. Sam Crest here. Mr. Crest. Uh, something troubling you fellas? I'd like to talk to you for a minute, that's all. Done anything I shouldn't? No, sir, not as far as we know. Well, you never can tell, you know. The, the way they keep making up new laws nowadays, a person can be a criminal without even half trying. Mm-hmm. Too many rules. That's what's wrong with this country. Too darn many rules. Yes, sir. Ought to be just one. How's that? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Golden rule. That ought to be more than sufficient. Yeah. Don't work out that way, though. Man could live up to it every day of his life and still wouldn't keep him out of jail. Mm -hmm. Golden rule don't say nothing about paying income taxes or taking out licenses or filing Social Security reports. Well, does it? No, doesn't seem to. But you're in jail if you don't do them. Yeah. Man can live by the golden rule. Don't make no difference. It makes a difference. Oh, some maybe, but not enough. Have you been here all evening, Mr. Crest? Since supper time. When was that? 6.30. Eat at the drugstore over on Soto Street. Stop serving food at 7. I see, sir. What time did you get back to the store, do you remember? Oh, five odd, maybe. And you've been here ever since? Sure. You ain't doubt my word. No, sir. I tell the truth, you know. Yes, sir. May not get all of my government forms figured out right, but I'm a truthful man. Mm-hmm. Anybody suspicious come in here tonight? Suspicious? Mm-hmm. I'm afraid you'll have to explain that. You see, I ain't no policeman. Folks don't look suspicious to me. They just look like folks. Well, I mean, strangers then? Sure, lots of strangers. Eight or ten, maybe. I see. Strangers to me, leastways. I don't get acquainted with folks easy. Uh-huh. Man comes, buys a pack of cigarettes or some tobacco. Don't make him a friend. Mm-hmm. Well, now, sir, had most of tonight's customers been in before? Oh, some of them had, yeah. Some of them hadn't. I don't keep track. I see. Did you hear anything out on the street? Traffic. Folks walking by. You fellas sure ain't very specific. Well, anything like a fight? In front of my place? In the neighborhood. Well, I didn't hear no fight. Somebody get to mixing it up? Looks that way. Oh, yeah, that's the trouble with this world. People always squabbling. Wherever you go, whatever you do, it ends up in squabbling. Who was it? We don't know yet. Anybody hurt? Yes, sir. Well, probably bung it on himself. Maybe. Were there any youngsters hanging around your place tonight, Mr. Crest? Youngsters? Teenagers. Well, if there was, I didn't notice them. Kids, huh? Yes, sir. Well, I just don't know what we're coming to. Thank you very much, sir. Sure. Good night. Good night, sir. Uh, say, uh, there was one. How's that? One young fellow. Uh, he didn't hang around, though. Uh, he was in a big rush. You know him? No, I, no, I, I don't think I ever saw him before. Could you describe him for us? Oh, just an ordinary kid. How big was he? Oh, not big. He come up to about, uh, here on me. Mm-hmm. Probably don't have his full growth yet. All right, then. You recall how he was dressed? Well, I didn't pay much attention, only in the shop a couple of minutes. What color was his hair? Light, reddish, or blondish. Nice-looking boy? Oh, no better or worse than most. What time did you see him? Must be nearly a couple of hours ago, along about uh, 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Come charging in all out of breath. Yeah. Asked if I had a phone. I pointed out the booth over there in the corner. Go ahead. Well, there's nothing more to tell. 
He went over the booth, made a call. Wasn't on the phone more than a few seconds. Mm -hmm. Then he come out and left the shop. Anything else you can tell us about him? Mm, I don't think so, no. Except that uh, when he was leaving, yeah. uh, he wasn't in a hurry like when he come in. He sort of peered out the door first. Mm -hmm. Seemed as though all the steam had gone out of him. He looked back over his shoulder. Yes, sir. Doggonest expression on his face. What do you mean? Like he was scared to death. While we're in the tobacco shop, we telephoned Georgia Street Receiving Hospital and talked to Dr. Sebastian. He told us that the victim was in a critical condition and had been moved to General Hospital. He also told us that they'd not been able to identify the boy. We called General and asked to be notified when he was able to talk. 11.31 p.m., Frank and I went back to the office. Homicide was notified. The patrol car officers who had discovered the body reported that they had not found any suspects in the vicinity of the crime. 11.46 p.m., we checked with the crime lab. An examination of the weapon had revealed no useful fingerprints. It was a spring blade knife with an eight-inch blade. 12.02 a.m., Frank and I went off duty and another team of detectives continued the investigation. The next morning, Thursday, November 17th, 8.12 a.m. Morning, Joe. Hi. Anything new? No, not so far. How about missing persons? Nobody's reported them. It's funny. You'd think somebody would be looking for him by now, his folks or somebody. Yeah, you would. Mm -hmm. Any coffee in that thing? Yeah, help yourself. All right. Probably cold by now. It's better than nothing. Did you miss breakfast? Yeah, I wasn't hungry. Oh. Oh, you're right. Huh? It's cold. Yeah. Say, hey, Joe. Mm hmm. Uh, about Christmas. What about it? Well, we won't invite Mrs. Phillips' sister if you don't want us to. Mm -hmm. No. I got to thinking last night people shouldn't force a guy to get married and raise a family if it's against his best judgment. Well, who's getting married and raising a family? It's just a Christmas dinner, huh? Yeah, but you know Faye. Well, you know me. I got it. Juvenile Friday. Yes, sir. All right, sir. Thank you very much. General Hospital, the boy's coming, too. Yeah? Can we talk to him? Yeah, for a minute or two. We better get a move on. Oh? Huh? Doc said to hurry. Frank and I drove out to General Hospital. The doctor in charge of the case was waiting for us in the hall outside the patient's room. Mr. Friday? Yes, sir. Is it all right to go in? Don't stay too long. All right. You're going to be all right, Doc? It's too soon to tell. If the wound was an inch higher, I could give you an answer. Yeah? It'd be dead. into the room. The shades were drawn and the victim was in semi-darkness. His eyes were open, but he closed them as soon as he saw us enter. How you feeling, son? Son? I'm okay. I'd like to talk to you for a couple of minutes. No way of stopping you, is there? What's your name, son? What's yours? Smith, Frank Smith. My partner's Joe Friday. Cops? That's right. Well? Well, what? How about telling us who you are? I forgot. Oh. You know, amnesia. Yeah. How'd you get hurt, kid? Forgot that, too. We're trying to help you, son. Not my fault if I don't remember nothing. You know you're pretty sick. Sure. But it's not amnesia. You a duck? No. Nope. And you tell what's wrong with me. Who knifed you? Now, what happened? Come on, what's your name? Abraham Lincoln. You guys can call me Abe. All right, we'll find out. Go ahead. What were you doing on Sheridan Street last night? That where I was? You want him to get away with it? Who? fellow that stuck a shiv in your back? Now, who'd do a thing like that? That's what we want you to tell us. 
Hey, you know what? Hmm? It's all starting to come back to me. Tell us about it. There was this black sedan, see? Mm-hmm. Great big job. Yeah. I was walking along the street, sedan pulled up beside me, 12 guys jumped out. Yeah. Told you it was a big job. Mm-hmm. Six of them tried to grab me. All right, that's enough. But you want to know what happened. They was all wearing masks. I said that's enough. Sure. Now, you listen to me, son. We're going to find out who you are and who stabbed you. Sorry, I ain't in a position to offer a reward. You want your face in all the newspapers? What for? I ain't important. I said we're going to find out who you are. Well? Okay. You want to play detective? Let's have it. Tom. Tom what? Marcotte. Where do you live? Diamond Street. What number? Apartment house, corner of Diamond Olympics, second floor in the back. Now, I suppose you tell us what happened last night. Guy jumped me, that's all I know. Who was he? I don't know. I never saw him before. You sure about that? Yeah. What did he look like? I don't know. It was dark. Somebody your own age? Heck no. How old was he? 30, 35. Why'd he pick you? I don't know. Must have thought I had some dough. You never saw him before? That's what I said. How tall was he? I don't know. Did you get a look at his face? Uh-uh. Can you tell us anything about him? Nope. But you know how old he was. I got a feeling, that's all. Yeah. Where do you go to school? Taylor High. What year? Tenth. Any gangs in your school? I don't know. You don't belong to one, do you? Nope. You had any kind of trouble lately? What kind of trouble? With the other kids at the school. Can't you guys get anything straight? I wasn't a kid. Mm-hmm. Who do you live with, Martha? My old man. Where's your mother? Under a tombstone. We'll get in touch with your dad. What for? He might be worried about you. Want to bet. We were unable to get any additional information from the victim. We went back to the office and checked the name Tom Market through R&I. They had nothing on him. 9.47 a.m., Frank and I drew out to the address he'd given us. It was a two-story stucco apartment house, badly in need of repair. We went up to the second floor. Must be this one. Yeah. I don't hear anybody. Take it easy, will you? All right. What's all the pounding for? Market? Yeah? We're police officers. Frank Smith. My name's Friday. Well, what do you want? Come in for a minute. If you don't, I'm going to fall flat on my face. Oh, boy. My head's coming apart in shreds. Mm-hmm. Kind of tied one on last night. That's so. You haven't got an aspirin, have you? No, sir. Right not. Can of beer? No. No. That's what I really need. Usually keep a couple in the refrigerator for an emergency like this. Mm-hmm. But that kid of mine's been guzzling them again. We'd like to talk to you about your son, Mr. Market. <clears throat> yeah? You know he didn't come home last night. Didn't he? No. No way of me knowing it. I work nights, drive a hack, don't get home before five. He leaves for school before I wake up. I see. What'd you pick him up for? He's not under arrest. Huh? He's in the hospital. Hospital? That's right. He was stabbed last night. Huh? Yeah. He's going to be all right, ain't he? They don't know yet. Oh. We thought you might be able to help us. Help you? Yeah. Find out who did it. You know who your son's friends are? I don't know nothing about him. We don't... Well, we aren't very close. Let me see. Has he been worried lately about anything? Upset? Uh, no more than usual. How's he doing in school? Lousy. Oh. They always ask me to come down and talk to him. Principal or teacher's. What do they say about him? I don't go. Mm-hmm. I went a couple of times when he first came to live with me. Didn't do any good. That's so. 
I can't change him. Anything I tell Tom just rubs him the wrong way. So he's on his own. How long has your son lived with you? Three years. How about before that? He was with his mom. Yeah. She divorced me a couple of years after he was born. Took him with her. Mm-hmm. When she died, there was nobody else to look after him. He had to come back to me. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, I gotta get me a glass of water. I'll only take a second. Yeah. Looks like the kid was right, huh? Huh? About his father. Well, maybe. She doesn't seem very upset. No. He just gotta stop his drinking. Yeah. Never used to feel like this when I was younger. Is that right? Could go on a bat for two, three days, come out of it and feel okay. Can't take it anymore. Well, sir, we'll be leaving. If you'd like to see your son, he's at General Hospital. Tom asked to see me? He's pretty sick, Market. You talked to him, didn't you? That's right. He asked to see me? No, he didn't. Didn't think so. I guess I can't blame him for hating me. He figures I didn't want him after his mom died. Figured I had to take him. Yeah. Tried to tell him different. He didn't believe me. We just can't talk, Tom and me. Father and son living in the same apartment. Like we speak a different language. Think I ought to go down to see him? Well, that's up to you. Be an ass for me. It's funny. There was somebody who hates you, your own son. Well, maybe you're wrong about him. Yeah, you see it in his face, his eyes, the way he talks. Every time I look at him, I can see it. Tom's the one who's wrong. Yeah. It's not his fault, but he's wrong. You wouldn't believe it on a stack of Bibles. Even you guys don't. What's that? That I love him. Frank and I drove out to the Taylor High School on Grand Avenue. 10.57 a.m., we interviewed the principal, James Wingor. He told us that Tom Market was a poor student and that he was difficult to manage. He also told us that the boy had a good mind and was capable of much better work than he performed. He was unable to throw any light on the knifing and suggested that we talk with the victim's homeroom teacher, Miss Nora Rollins. 11.16 a.m., we interviewed Miss Rollins in a small room which adjoined the principal's office. I'm supposed to be giving an English examination during this period, Sergeant. Yes, ma'am. This will only take a couple minutes. You have a student named Tom Marcotte? Certainly. He's in my homeroom. What kind of a boy is he? Noisy. Lazy. Impossible to discipline. Similar to a number of the others. Mm-hmm. He's absent today, though. Yes, ma'am, we know. Did something happened to Tom? He's had an accident. An accident or a fight. Why do you say that? <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Has he had any fights lately? Came to school with a cut lip two or three weeks ago. Does Tom have any particular enemies? I really don't know. There are over 75 students in my homeroom. It's a little difficult to know very much about any of them. Yes, ma'am. How about friends? Who's he pal around with, do you know? Nobody in particular, as far as I can tell. No, wait a minute. There's one boy. Ma'am? Arthur Jollett. What does he look like? Well, he's small, red-haired, almost as troublesome as Tom. Is he in school today? I believe so. Ma'am, is there anything else you can tell us about Tom? No. Except that I don't have much hope for him. How's that? Well, I've asked his father to come in and see me several times. So far, he's always declined the invitation. Well. Is Tom badly hurt? Yes, ma'am. Pretty bad. What was it? Knife wound. No. Seventeen years ago, when I first started teaching, that would have shocked me. I see. It was a very naive young lady, Sergeant. Is that right? I thought all a person had to do to become a teacher was to take the right courses, get a degree, and a credential. Mm-hmm. It seemed such a simple matter. I wanted to teach English literature, so I studied English literature. Shakespeare, Chaucer, Browning, Keats, Shelley. Yes, ma'am. As I continue in the profession, I discovered that I omitted one essential course. What's that? Judo. 
We asked Mr. Wingor if we could interview the student named Arthur Jollett. He asked his secretary to have the boy sent into us. Sounds like he's the one who called in the report. Yeah. Must have been with Marcotte when it happened, huh? Come in. You want to see me? That's right. Come in, son. You're Arthur Jollett, huh? Ain't that who you asked for? Sit down, son. We're police officers. This is Smith. My name's Friday. Do you have a friend named Tom Marcotte? I know him. Pretty good friend of yours, is he? He's a friend. You been with him lately? When? Yesterday, day before? Sure. Where? Here. We've got some of the same subjects. How about after school? Uh-huh. You saw him after school, did you? Night before last. Last night, too? Uh-uh. Where were you last night? Movie. Well, who'd you go with? Went along. What movie? Double Bill in Hollywood. And what'd you do afterward? It's to ride on. Spend any time around Sheridan Street? Where's that? You want us to show you? Huh? Come on, we'll take you over there. What for? I'd like to have you meet a man who runs a tobacco shop in that part of town. <laughs> you kidding or something? Young fella came into his place last night. So? The way he described him, it could be you. He must be blind or something. Well, let's find out. Come on. Come on. Okay, so maybe I was in his neck of the woods. What's the beef? Your friend Market was around there, too, wasn't he? Coincidence? Yeah. What's the matter with Tom, anyhow? Why? I ain't been in school today. He's in the hospital. Oh. Good thing you called us when you did. He might be dead by now. Who says I called you? Man who runs the tobacco shop. How the heck could he tell it? Well, I mean, who I was calling. All right, Jollop. Give us the whole story now, will you? What story? Come on, let's get it over with. If it's about Tom, ask him. We're asking you. You want us to take you in? Of course not. It's up to you. Ain't much to tell. Just walking around, Tom and me. Yeah. The fellow jumped out from an alley, came at us with a knife. Go ahead. Took a swing at Tom. I ducked off. Yeah. Called the cops. That's all I know. Who was it, Jolly? Your guess is as good as mine. We don't think so. Suit yourself. I thought Tom was a friend of yours. He is. Well, we want to know who stabbed him. What do you expect me to do? Dream up a name? How big was he? Medium size. How old? 19, 20. Tom says he was about 35. Tom ought to know. He's a lot closer to him. All right. Let's go down to the juvenile bureau. What for? I told you everything I know. I want to show you some mug shots. Forget it. I wouldn't recognize his picture. Let's give it a try anyway. I'll take it easy, will you? What's the matter? I don't want to be seen leaving with you guys. Is that right? Wouldn't do my reputation any good. Who are you afraid of? I ain't afraid. The guy who knifed your buddy? Is that who you're afraid of? Look, if Tom wanted you to know, he'd have told you, wouldn't he? Tom ain't dead. All right, come on, John. Let's go. Give me an answer. Is Tom okay or not? Does that make any difference to you? Sure, it makes a difference. It doesn't look like it to us. I'm no squealer. All right, you've had your chance. Now you got to go in. Come on. You can't arrest me. A boy was stabbed last night. You saw it. As far as we know, you're the only other person who was there. Now you figure it out. I didn't have nothing to do with it. Tom will tell you so. You throw me in jail, my old man will kill me. Well, that's tough. I ain't going to take the rap. It's up to you. Okay. Okay, it was Jerry. Jerry who? Longren. He go to the school? Yeah. What was it all about? Uh, Tom tried to date Jerry's girl. Jerry heard about her. Followed us last night. I'll get a hold of Longren. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. If Jerry finds out I squealed on him, he'll do even worse to me. He ain't gonna find out, is he? We won't tell him. If it tumbles, you can start sending flowers. Jerry's the big man around school. Yeah. We're six foot, lots of muscle, lots of shove. Well, that doesn't make him a big man, does it? Huh? He needs a knife. The story you've just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. 
On December 2nd, a hearing was held in Juvenile Department, Superior Court, State of California, in and for the County of Los Angeles. Petitions were filed on both the victim and the subject. The victim, Thomas Marcotte, was placed under 24-hour supervision in a foster home. The subject, Jerome Longren, due to a previous juvenile record and the viciousness of the attack, was sentenced to a juvenile correctional establishment. You have just heard Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action, and starring Jack Webb, a presentation of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service. to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to homicide detail. A young woman has been murdered. The body was discovered behind locked doors. The assassin is still at large. Your job, find him. If you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of long cigarettes. Smoke Fatima. Fatima is the long cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos, superbly blended to make Fatima extra mild. And that's why Fatima has a much different much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. That's why Fatima is doubling and redoubling its smokers. So, if you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of all long cigarettes. Smoke Fatima. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Tuesday, January 9th. It was stormy in Los Angeles. 
We were working a day watch out of homicide detail. My partner's Ben Romero, and my name's Friday. I was on the way to work, and it was 6.45 a.m. when I got to the steps of the city hall, the main street entrance. Hey, Joe, wait up. Morning, Ben. When did they call you? 5 a.m. Donahoe called you? Yeah. Miserable out, isn't it? It's pretty wet. You're soaking wet. See the transfer there? Yeah. New chief of detective? Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, I want to get some gum. Pack experiment. Well, I heard about the new chief. Thad Brown. Good man. Piece gum? Oh, thanks. Um, I wish they'd make up the mines about our ship. Work days, they call you back nights. Work nights, they call you back days. Once you put in for a desk job. You may never have to call you back. You're here all the time. No, you're just hard to please. Here we are. Thanks, Egan. It's a great way to start off as your new chief. Call you back on a rotten morning like this. I'm glad you got the job, Thad. Yeah, congratulations, Chief. It's hard to follow a man like Ed Backstrand. Gonna need your help. You got it. Here's why I called you back. Laura Barclay. Mm-hmm. Is the dead body report, nightclub entertainer. Landlady found the body an hour ago. Who's covering? Burton and Anderson. They're out there now. Strangled, huh? Well, the lamp cord. Still trying to figure out how the guy got in the house. Doors and windows all locked. Yeah. Attack. That the motive? For now, yeah. I just came from there. I think there's more. Any reason? Her room wasn't prowled. Yeah? Just a hunch. Play it for me. Ben and I left Thad Brown's office, picked up Lieutenant Lee Jones at the crime lab, and drove to the West Adams District, number 16 Imperial Place, where the body of Laura Barkley had been found. It was an ornate frame structure done in Victorian style, at least 30 to 40 years old. Number 16 was on the ground floor. We went in. A narrow hallway led to the bedroom in the rear of the house. Two gas jet fixtures, which had been converted to electricity, were the only illumination. This place has seen better days. Anybody else coming out, Lee? I see flash bulbs down there. They must be here already. Third, Friday, down this way. Hi, Burton. Hi. Photographer's covering a body position. Peterson's dusting for prints. Fred, shoot a couple of overheads. Don't make them all angle shots. Get up high, then move in close. Yeah, Chief was right. Room's in pretty good order. Did you talk to anybody, Burton? Landlady. Lives upstairs. Only two people living in the building. Mm-hmm. Did she tell you anything? Said the Barkley girl paid her rent on time. Good tenant. Plays the organ at the Blue Fox. Cocktail line. Mm. Any idea how the murderer got in here? Not yet. Every door and window in the place is locked. Anything else? That's it so far. We'll give you 15.7 on what we got. Okay, Lloyd. You and Anderson have another detail? Yeah, I'm working on that Westwood thing. Two uniform men outside if you want anything. Right, thanks. Looks like a tough one, Joe. Whoever did it must have come in through the keyhole. I'll see you later. So long, Lloyd. Andy. Peterson is dusting for prints. Nothing yet. Only piece of physical evidence so far, the lamp cord she was strangled with. I'll run it through downtown. Not a sign of a struggle. Maybe she wanted to die. Check the bathroom, will you, Ben? Yeah. I'll look around the kitchen. Hey, Pete, have you dusted the lamps yet? Not yet. Not this one. Ben, come here a minute, will you? Ben! Yeah? Come in the kitchen, will you? You got a pencil? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, here you are. 
Okay. Take a look at this garbage chute here. Mm, let me see. About eight feet to the ground. Yeah, big enough for a man to get through. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no problem. Lee. I'll be right there. It could be the answer, Joe. Well, he either got in this way or he was in the house when she came home. What do you got? Garbage chute here. What do you think? Could be. Let me grab a kit. Let's see. Aluminum powder. There it is. side of the lid. Looked pretty clean. Must have just been scrubbed. Abrasions here. Got a pencil? Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Hold it up there, will you? Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. Large prints. Unusually large. Big hands. Can I look inside the chute a minute, Lee? Go ahead. Watch that lid. Yeah, I will. like it's blocked off upstairs. This thing hasn't been used for garbage for some time. Most of them were condemned a few years back. I'll get Fred to shoot these. Let's go in the living room. That desk been dusted, Lee? Yeah, it's clean. Go ahead. Mm, Take a look, Joe. Hmm. Hundreds of them. All men. Yeah, all different. Lee Jones and the crime lab crew finished up and went back to Central Division. Two uniformed officers remained on duty at the scene of the crimes. Thad Brown had men sent out to canvas the neighborhood. Ben and I went upstairs and talked with a landlady, a Mrs. Emma Smith. Yes? Police officers. You Miss Smith? Yes. You're not the same officers I talked with before. No, ma'am. I wonder if we could ask you a few questions. I told the other officers everything I knew. We have to double-check, Miss Smith. Who was the girl who lived in the apartment below, number 16? Laura Barclay. Is that the name she used, the mail she received? Was it addressed that way? Yes, it was. She was a very good tenant, Laura. No trouble with her at all. When did she move here? Oh, About four or five years ago. I have the rent receipts. I always save receipts. Did she always live by herself? Oh, yes. That apartment rents to one person only. Did she have many visitors, friends dropping in? None that I ever saw. Pretty much to herself, Laura. The men came yesterday and took away. What's that, ma'am? The organ. Electric one. Laura rented it from a big downtown firm. Used to practice all the time. My, it was beautiful. Yeah. In the gloaming. She used to play that for me. Mrs. Smith, when did the men come and take the organ away? Yesterday, in the afternoon, about 4.30. Was Miss Barclay at home when they came? No, she wasn't. She left me a note to let them in, so I let them in. I never allow anyone in the apartment without a note. You know the name of the company where she rented the organ? Brazier's, it was called, down on South Spring. Well, didn't you think it was unusual that Miss Barclay didn't have any friends? 
Now, officer, I didn't say Laura didn't have any friends. What I said was that she didn't have any friends who came to see her here. She moved here from a hotel for women. That's the reference she gave me. I see. I wonder if you could give us the address of that hotel, please. I'll write it down for you. Thank you. Uh, Miss Smith, did you hear any unusual sounds in Miss Barclay's flat last night? Anything out of the ordinary? If I had, I would have called the police and we'd have saved a girl's life. Well, thank you very much, Miss Smith. Here's a call. If there's anything you think of after we've gone, don't hesitate to call us. Thank you, I will. I hope you get the dirty men who killed Laura. We didn't say it was men, Miss Smith. Well, isn't it always a man? Before we left Mrs. Emma Smith, we asked her about the garbage chute. She said it had not been in use for the last four years. We showed her the stack of photos. She could identify none of them. We drove back to Central Division. We checked Brazier's music store. The two men who moved the organ were checked out and cleared. We went to the Wynn Hotel for young ladies. They could tell us nothing. Laura Barclay's references were all good. We went back to the office and met with Chief of Detectives Thad Brown. You think he got in through the garbage chute? That's the way it looks, Chief. Went all over the apartment. If there's another way, we haven't found it. All right, you know how he got in. Who is it? We got out an APB on his M.O., latent fingerprints, and making a run on those prints we found. You got an idea about these pictures here? Most of them theatrical still, show people. Hmm. Frank Latour and his canine circus. To Laura, all my love, Frank. Tell you what you do. Here's a guy I checked with this morning. Bernard Carubian, theatrical booking agent, huh? Yeah, Barney's office is down in the Orpheum building, 8th and Hill. He booked her into the Blue Fox. See what he can tell you. Right. I'll grab the picture, Ben, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, you got more than you started with. Yeah, those fingerprints. We get a make on them, we'll be close to the guy. So was the Barclay girl. But he got away. I wonder if we could see Mr. Carubian. Who's calling, please? Sergeant Romero and Sergeant Friday, police officers. One moment, please. Yeah, please. Two police officers to see you, Mr. Carubian. Sergeant Friday and Sergeant Romero, is that right? Yes, ma'am. Send them in. Go right in. Thank you. All right, let's go. Say that you booked Laura Barkley. Yeah, that's right. I spoke with a got his name right here. Chief Fad Brown? Oh, that's right. He asked me about Laura. Too bad about that. Any clues? We're working on it, Mr. Carubian. What makes a person pull a stunt like that? Laura didn't have no enemies. She had one. Well, I don't know much about her, except that I've been booking her for about four years. Good organist. Pretty fair voice, too. Got some pictures here. I wonder if you'd take a look at them. Yeah, sure. Quite a stack. Yeah, old Frankie Latour and the dogs. Great act. I book him. Ricky Rogan, King of the Tap. Gus Sorinoco and that singing seal of his. Yeah, yeah, I know all these people. I book them all. Did Laura Barkley work with all these people? One time or another, yeah. During the war, USO camp shows, you know. Do you know whether she was close to any of them? Well, come to think of it, she was. That Frankie Latour, crazy about them dogs of his. No, I mean the men themselves. Anybody that she seemed particularly interested in? Never heard her mention anybody. 
pretty girl. Did you know her very well, Mr. Groovy? Only when she came in and out of town on an engagement. I'm a married man. Well, then you don't think there's anything to these pictures here of hers, huh? Well, I wouldn't say so. When you're on the road, you always collect photos of the people you work with. Souvenirs. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Caribbean. Here's our card. You betcha. Yeah, I sure hope you catch the guy. wonder why he picked on Laura. Sometimes they don't have a reason. When we left Bernard Caribbean's office, we checked by the Blue Fox Cocktail Lounge. It was still early. The sign said open 5 p.m. It was 3.15. We went to the morgue in the basement of the Hall of Justice and looked at the coroner's report. The autopsy report stated that the cause of death for Laura Barclay was strangulation. We went to the second floor of the old city jail building, the crime lab. Nothing on the lamp cord. Standard UL 110 line. Bad anywhere. No prints. How about the chute, Lee? Went back there and rechecked. You were right. The guy got in through the garbage chute. Found more of the same prints along with some cloth impressions in the dust. Tell you anything? The guy was wearing some kind of tweed, Donegal, 15 to the inch. How about the size of a man, Lee? How big could he be to clear that chute? It had a 20-inch diameter. Almost any man could squeeze through that. Check the ground level of the chute. Cement, no footprints. Mm. You don't have too much for it. I got one thing for you. What's that? I think I found your motive. And not the one listed on the report. Yeah? Here are the blow-ups of the body. This 36 by 54 here. Hold that in, will you, man? No, I don't. Look through this magnifying glass here. The right hand. Yeah. See where I'm pointing? Uh, ring finger, yeah. Look like ring marks. That's right. Pretty wide. Must have been good size rings. Oh, well, I might still be in that room. I called Thad Brown. He had the room rechecked. No sign. And you think we got a burglary motive on her here? That's my guess. Thad had the boys check with the landlady. She didn't know anything about any rings the Barclay girl might have had. That doesn't help. I think I got something else here. Oh, library book. Her? Her cards in one of the pockets inside, checked out from the L.A. Public Library main branch. Mm-hmm. I think these might be a lead on the missing rings. A librarian sees a person's hands every time they check out a book. That makes sense, Lee. We'll play it that way. What department were the books checked out of? The music room. Well, that's it. I think you've got your motive now and a good set of prints. You're close. Thanks a lot, Lee. Well, let's go to the library, Ben. I'll get it. Crime lab. No, this is Friday. Oh. Thanks, Frank. We got some motive. How do you mean? No make on those fingerprints. Nothing. You are listening to Dragnet for the solution to an actual case from official police files. Now, here is a real solution to many of your Christmas shopping problems. If your friends smoke a long cigarette, give the best of all long cigarettes, Fatima. Give Fatima for quality. The name Fatima has always stood for the best in cigarette quality. Give Fatima for flavor. Fatima has a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. Give Fatima. They're extra mild. Yes, Fatima is the long cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make Fatima extra mild. Yes, Extra mild. So give Fatima for Christmas in the attractive golden yellow carton. It's the long cigarette that has doubled and redoubled its smokers. Yes, more and more smokers every day agree Fatima is the best of all long cigarettes. 
4.30 p.m. Tuesday, January 9th. Heavy rain. Laura Barclay's murderer was still a free man. Ben and I were sure that whoever left their fingerprints on the inside of that garbage chute was the same man who murdered the Barclay girl. He had no previous record. His first crime, as far as we knew, was a killing, and the odds were all in his favor. The fingerprints gave us nothing. All we had left to lead us to the killer were three library books and a stack of old theatrical photos. The solution of most crimes for the working detective is method and persistence. When you have clues, you work with them. When you don't, you work your way to a logical conclusion as best you can. We went to the Los Angeles Public Library, the main branch. The librarians in the music room handled thousands of readers every week. None of them remembered Laura Barclay. We drove over to the Blue Fox Cocktail Lounge. We interviewed the manager, and he knew nothing of her personal life. We talked to Harry Schumann, the organist who had taken Laura Barclay's place. What would you like to hear, fellas? Police officers. I'd like to talk to you, man. About Laura, huh? Yeah, that's right. All right, if I keep on playing, the manager wants full 15-minute sets. Oh, yeah, go ahead. That's all right. What can I tell you? How long have you known Miss Barkley? Oh, four or five years. It's a terrible thing. You got to get to whoever did it. Yeah, we're going to try. Can you think of anybody that might have killed her? I know you ask that question of everybody. I don't know. Does anybody ever know for sure? Sometimes. Well, I don't know. When you think of a person, you never think who might murder her. Maybe you might know a few things about her that you could fill us in on. I'll try. She go in for jewelry much? Rings, things like that? Funny you should ask that. She was nuts for it. Good things. Rings? Had a couple of beauties. Diamonds they were, big stones. Cost 4000 I know she used to put most of her money into those rings. She'd buy them on time? Yeah. I remember one night she was overjoyed. The night she paid them off. Cost a lot of dough. Can you describe those rings for us? Not too good. I can give you the name of the jeweler she bought them from. That'll do. Do you know anybody else that we might talk to? Don't know any of her friends. She was an only child. No living relatives that I know of. How about her landlady? Yeah. I guess that's it, Harry. Thank you. For what? I wish I could help more. If everybody had your attitude, we'd be out of a job. Before we left the Blue Fox, Harry Schumann gave us the address of Laura Barkley's jeweler. The next morning, we checked with the manager of the store, and he gave us a complete description of the two diamond rings which the dead girl had purchased. They were valued at $4,000. He gave us detailed drawings of the rings. We went back to the office, gave the information to burglary detail. An all-points bulletin was put out describing them. Pawn shops throughout the city and state were alerted to watch for the stolen rings. We had lunch with Chief Thad Brown at Costa's Cafe. Never mind, O'Mara. I'll get it. Oh, thank you, Chief. I'll get the tip. Stew was good. Mm-hmm. Did I have some change for the cigarette machine? Thanks. Need any cigarettes, Joe? No, no thanks, then. Let's go. What do you think, Thad? The description of the rings and the M.O. should help. If he hasn't turned up, good chance he's holding on to them. Could be his first job, probably scared. Anybody check back over the neighborhood there? This is the afternoon and this morning. A lot of door-to-door salesmen through that district. All been checked out. It's a dead end. Now where? If only those prints are checked out. Well, they didn't. 
Got a kickback from Brereton, Sacramento, on his M.O. No make. We'll have to get him with what we've got. Here's the car. You sure you picked up all the loose ends? Oh, we've been back over the course three times. Go over it again. Keep going over it until something breaks. For the next ten days, we retraced our steps from the room where the crime was committed throughout the neighborhood to the place where she worked, back to the same dead end. Ben and I checked and double-checked each other to make certain that neither of us had overlooked even the smallest detail of the investigation. We got no place. It was 8 a.m., January 19th. Homicide, Friday. This is Rubles in burglary, Joe. Yeah, Dick. Got something for you. Job pulled last night. A couple of watches, strand of pearls. How do we figure in it? His M.O. Yeah? Guy got in through the garbage chute. Besides fingerprints and photographs, one other mark by which the unknown criminal is identified is by his method of operation, his M.O. Once a thief finds a successful means of operation, he seldom changes it. In our search for Laura Barkley's murderer, we had checked our files and found no criminals at large whose practice it was to gain entrance through a garbage chute. It was reasonably safe to assume that this was the same man. It was 2 p.m. January 23rd. I was on my way back from the record bureau. Got a call, Joe. Elmer Radcliffe. Informant? Yeah. Says two days ago he heard about some guy who was making the rounds trying to peddle a couple of diamond rings. Same ones? He's not sure. Doesn't know what the guy looked like. Any idea where the guy is now? Hasn't been around since. Told Elmer to keep his eyes open. That's good. Come in here, you two. What do you got, Thad? This report just came down from burglary. Pawn shop down in North Main took in a watch and strand of pearls last night. Yeah. Same stuff that Rubles called you about. Yeah, I remember. Where's it dying? Same guy tried to peddle a couple of diamond rings. 10 a.m., January 25th. Thad Brown arranged to have all pawn shop detail calls concerning the suspect put through to us on extension 2521, homicide. Five days passed. No further word. Homicide, Friday. This is George Rose. I run the Harbor Pawn Shop, second in Maine. Yeah, what's the matter? Man in here. Stalin will be right down. Come on, Ben, move it. Yeah? The next corner. There it is. Just up the block. Pull up. All right, let's go. Hell. Here we are. Say, fella, look out, Joe. He's got a gun. All right, Joe. Yeah. Out the back way. Let's get him. There he goes up alley. Can you hit him? We didn't stop him. Watch it. Come on, Joe. He's turning on the spring. He ran into that cafeteria up the street. Come on, let's run. Where'd he go? You see him? Yeah, there he goes. He's headed for the kitchen. Come on. Stop that man. Stop him. Out the back door into the alley. There he goes. All right, Joe, stop. He's not stopping. Stay clear. He's down. All right, come on. All right, get his guns. Yeah. He got him in the leg, Joe. Hit his head when he fell. All right, snap him on. Huh. Look on the little finger of his right hand. Two diamond rings. 
Yeah. Doesn't make sense, does it? What's that? $4,000 worth of diamonds, and he's lying on a pile of garbage. The story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On April 2nd, 1947, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 81, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. Now, here are authentic reports from all over the country that tell the story of Fatima's sensational increase in popularity. New Orleans Division. Fatima sales up 300%. Detroit Division. Fatima sales up 348%. Los Angeles Division. Fatima sales up 545%. More and more smokers agree Fatima is the best of long cigarettes. So enjoy Fatima yourself and give extra mild Fatimas for Christmas in the attractive golden yellow carton. Everyone who smokes Fatima says that this great new long cigarette is the best of all long cigarettes. Lola Barclay's murderer was identified as Martin Eric Swanson. He was tried and convicted of murder in the first degree. His case was fought through the Supreme Court of California and in the United States Supreme Court. In both instances, his conviction was upheld. Last Friday morning, after a delay of five years, Martin Eric Swanson was executed in the lethal gas chamber at the state penitentiary. You have just heard Dragnet, a new series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the office of Acting Chief of Police, W.A. Wharton, Los Angeles Police Department. Dragnet honors the city of Youngstown, state of Ohio, and the men who make up the Youngstown Police Department, another of America's great law enforcement agencies. One of these men, Chief of Police Edward J. Allen, honored as Policeman of the Year, who dedicates his life so that yours might be more secure. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet from Los Angeles. (laughs) 